welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi, Samia. Hey, Yoli. I'm happy to have you on. And for the listeners, everyone, you're listening to the Data Democracy. Uh, I'm your host, Ole Olsen Banyu. Chief Evangelist with Senea and the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog published by O'Reilly. This is the show where we talk about uh, data democracy and that's why we invite guests to explore that. Today's guest is Samia Raman. Samia is the Director of Enterprise Data Strategy and Governance at Sijin and a Data Mesh Practitioner. Samia describes herself as a social technical architect passionate about unlocking value of data and enabling innovation and optimizing systems. We came across uh, on LinkedIn, where we exchanged some uh, points of views and ideas, and we'll talk about more about that later. But to open the conversation, uh, can you share a bit more on your professional experience and uh, what you do, Samia? Yeah, so I've been, I started my career as a software developer and I've been through many, many industries. My passion has always been on large scale problem solving and making large scale systems come to life. So starting from back then, there was no term such as machine learning. There was pattern recognition and electrical engineering. Those were my ground up days. Then I evolved into being a software developer doing large-scale systems. Then I met Jamak back in 2019, and that's when the fun journey of becoming a data mesh practitioner started. My first project with data mesh was in healthcare, and then I moved on to another one in big pharma, and then I've joined CGen as of recent, where I've had the opportunity along those five years since 2019, when Jamak published her first article to not only be a developer, but also be a product manager, whether it's at the platform layer or the domain layer, and also setting the overall strategy and setting the language by which we internally operate to make that value-driven journey come to life. And uh, that's what I'm doing at CGen as well. We adopt the principles. Um, and I'll just preface with throughout this podcast, they're all going to be my opinions and not that of my companies. I'm obligated to say that and preface yes. it. Uh, yes, I know. Yeah. It's it's typical for the US. We don't do that that much in Europe, but uh, of course, yeah. I, I and we will not cut that out. No worries. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Course. So you've been a, a data practitioner, kind of a first mover on the data mesh movement, as, as as I can, at least in my understanding, many companies have been working with uh, this modern approach uh, the last couple of years. It's not for everyone, but Jamak Dagani's posts really were the beginning of, of this movement, at least as a formalized movement, right? So you have been... Um, in the field for quite some years. How how has it been to be a, a first mover? I guess you must have missed a lot of, I mean, even today when you try to explain data mesh, I have tried to explain data mesh to C-level leaders and executives. It's still difficult today. I mean, what have been your experience in that field? 
when I started with my first project, there was a lot of putting definitions and trying to push those definitions and getting the executives to understand it really well. What I realized as I went on to my next project is you actually don't need to do that because executives really just care about the ROI. They don't need to understand data mesh. Um, ah. And they've, they've really struggled historically in the various projects. All our projects for the past four years for data have failed. We haven't really accomplished the value. It's been this one use case or two use case we haven't scaled up. And in healthcare and in biotech, it's just really complex. It's hard to scale up. So in um, pharma and in biotech, centralized systems were just not working. Even in my second project, the sponsor was just frustrated with how IT had these bottleneck processes. They didn't understand the complex domain and the partnership between business and IT was just not being effective in realizing the true business outcomes the business was seeking from the data, right? And both industries are very data-driven. You don't need to push the data literacy agenda or the data culture agenda because by default for their work, they have to do data analysis. Like every biostatistician that's coming out of school, they come out with R or Python or something because they have to look at data, maybe not big data, but they have to look at data to make informed decisions. Same with clinicians, clinical trial folks, you're in ins health insurance. Again, it's all about the data, the patient, the billing code, all of that, right? The billing system in the US is complex. I can't talk about the EU, but it takes a lot of data wrangling. So the scalability has always been a challenge there. And in terms of defining it for executives, I've always, I, I think eventually my narrative has been articulating what their pain points are, what the business outcomes need to be for that particular business at that point in time, and then giving them the solution of, hey, these are the things you need to invest in. You really need to invest in data product management because it will help you with that value-driven realization. You need to invest in a self-serve data platform because you are a large organization. There is the scale-up need for enabling your data producers, which is your business as well as your platform teams to deliver that value, right? And then finally, you do need, at least in biotech, it, it also applies for healthcare, uh, you need some form of computational governance because both industries are in extremely regulated industries, right? Data privacy is top of mind, but in biotech, there's good engineering practices. Data integrity is a big thing. So the FDA requires you, even in Europe, I believe the FDA and MHRA, there are different drug authorities that require you to show that what you recorded or data or collected as data is what you've truly analyzed and provided the final report on. So speaking the executive's language, I think works. Don't, I don't even use the word data mesh with them. And I'll just end with um, one of my coworkers recently, we had to present on what does data mesh mean and how is it different from a data lake? That's what our, one of the C-suite folks asked us. And he put a simple analogy of 
imagine in data lake there's a lot of boats but no one can see see each other data mesh allows you to put sensors or uh ids he does a better job i don't have the code with me i'll send it to you later but in data mesh the silos of boats can now start seeing each other and I know we're eventually going to talk about data democratization. To me, it's about that social network that becomes empowered so that different people can, or the different boats can start seeing each other to start doing those cross insights, right? In biotech, mm -hmm. molecule to market is what we want to optimize. In healthcare, it's the patient experience that we want to optimize. So that resonated, that analogy with that executive. It it really depends on knowing your audience at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been in pharma myself, and um, I can't help but think that moving away, I, I totally understand the necessity for moving away from a centralized setup, but I can also see so many difficult obstacles in moving away from that a centralized setup simply because it is such a regulated industry, right? I've been in data management in, in pharma myself, and I know just how difficult it is to comply with the rules of the FDA. And in Europe, we also have EMA, uh, European uh, Medicines Agencies. And then we also have the national agencies, of course. Yep. Um, you must have faced the, the impossibility of taking all those pieces out of that centralized architecture and, and decentralizing it. It's not because I expect the scale, but it must have been very difficult, right? In my experience, what I've observed, it, it really depends on where the organization is and their maturity of their data journey. But I've observed they have a very distributed and siloed nature across their domains, right? So if we kind of break down molecule to market, the research organization has their own research data and then they'll share it with whoever they need to downstream. They might even pull data from the clinical development team, right? They have to validate whatever investigational drug that they're, that they're pitching for going into clinical trial. The clinical trial teams will have their own clinical trial operations data management team. They'll have their own data management standards. Commercial is a common one in pharma. That's the first place that uh, people invest in data and they will build their own data warehouses for scaling that out, right? What happens is most of the time they, they live within that domain and they can have a centralized data repository or data infrastructure there. And within, when you start unpacking within that one complex domain, you might even split it up. Pharma has a very... I would say they, they have the privilege of the domains being very well defined, yes. that it, it, it's actually easier to do data mesh and pharma, in my opinion, in comparison to if you're a startup, have thousands of microservices now, you've forgotten about domain-driven design. Pharma has a very good blueprint for their domain. So I haven't seen that challenge per se. What I've seen is if, the IT teams are supporting any part of the business, or let's say you're in commercial, they bottleneck as soon as they're trying to go to like, hey, now we need to start scaling up to the next 10 drugs from the two drugs we manufactured. They really struggle because they've built very rigid, centralized 
data warehouses or data infrastructure, which can only be operated by those specialists, uh, specialists here being your data architect, your, the heroes, the data engineers, and it becomes this weird culture of your, depending on this team, the team itself gets frustrated because of the huge demand. It's like, hey, they're 10 and they're like, well, we're not ready to, I, I don't want to give the keys to the castle for another person to come in and operate this warehouse. So that journey, I think the technical mindset shift is where the tipping point is for pharma, uh, where bringing in data ops, automation, all those things become necessity to really get you to that scale out that you're seeking for. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I can see that. I know that many pharma companies are moving towards uh, data mesh. It's it's interesting to follow, and I I completely agree in in, in what you're saying about domains being very well defined. I just have uh, also seen a lot of uh, IT wizardry where they they kind of control uh, the domains even though they don't understand them, and that yeah. is that is one of the big difficult pain points. But I'm I'm very happy to hear that uh, you have been able to to move outside of that. Yeah, the trick for that I think is with data mesh, the principle of a data product. Mm -hmm. So identifying a data product manager or your domain SME who will like, so find the person in the business who understands the data, understands the value of it is key, mm -hmm. as opposed to, hey, I, I just can't, I, I'm a great data architect. I understand the tech, but now you're expecting me to learn how to define a molecule in oncology, that's yeah. that's a whole degree. I'm not yeah. there yet myself. So it's all about empowering those people to build the data products, in my opinion. Exactly. And that's uh that that ties very, very well into uh well into the topic of the this podcast, which is uh, data democracy. Yeah. I wanna set the stage a little bit. So it's a it's a little long question. But I was making this post on LinkedIn about data democracy sometimes being hindered by powerful leaders to start a conversation uh, that I wrote the post that I, as I did. But I said that many leaders had had in, in the course of my career, uh, an undemocratic approach to, uh, to data, simply stopping many people in working with data, using data as a tendency towards something that was perhaps I dare even say undemocratic. And so you reacted. What did you write and, and, and why did you react in the way you did? Um, yeah, being in uh, biotech because security and regulation is a concern, I think I posted that these folks come from a place of typically people who want that data, they come from a place of not knowing why they cannot have the data and they don't understand the domain. And these leaders are just tired of people asking for, hey, give me the data, give me the data. And they're like, no, I can't give you the data because either they haven't invested in scrubbing it out, anonymizing it for sharing, or there's a regulation, right? Uh, going by the least privileged principle in biotech, for example, you can't expose your investigator data to your commercial team just because you think there's a great idea as a data scientist. It doesn't work because there's an ethical and a legal obligation where you have to prove as a company that there's no bias in the way that you sell drugs versus you run your clinical trials during the development process. 
those kind of details I've learned <laughs> over time. I've, I've had the privilege of some great domain experts um, in my career who've educated me on that when I did ask them a question around why they wouldn't want to share it, right? So I think asking that question is important and acknowledging those constraints is important. I think most of the time people who get denied of those things are people coming in from lack of domain understanding. So it could be the IT data engineer saying, hey, I need all this data from your uh, database uh, in um, the highly regulated systems in clinical trials and or it could be your data scientist who's eager and hungry to like solve a problem, right? So it's really important to, I think, ask those questions um, and truly understand the reason. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's a great point, actually. I have uh, experienced that was the part of the post that I, I didn't uh, write, is that I have also experienced being a, a, a head of an information management team and, and, and providing those denials. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right in, in the fact that we simply need to make our answers uh, genuine in the sense that they should actually explain why, why the certain data cannot be used. Then, yeah. then people, I mean, that is, that is kind of a way to measure a data democracy, right? That you can, yeah. that you can see that, okay, this data, I can't access it. I can't use it right now because of this and this and that. Yeah. If that expl explanation is is honest, is decent, then that uh, denial is uh, is justifiable. I definitely uh, agree in in that. I, I want to get back to also data product thinking because you mentioned that you had had quite a lot of success in establishing data products already. Yep. Can can you? Please expand a little on a little on that because I know many organizations are struggling with the data product design and implementation. What what is your experience? Uh, why did it work? What did you do? Uh, so I'll start with the failure story, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the very first project that I worked on, there was a huge divide between the sponsoring team establishing the connection with the business and the team that was implementing data mesh. There was no such thing as a, the data product manager role. Like we put one of those in, it wasn't being effective because there was a lot of weird tension with this idea of encroaching on another person's domain or understanding it, right? So to me, that collaboration just wasn't happening. But in pharma, I've seen it's a lot more, or at least in pharma, I've seen highly collaborative people. So domains means they get the, they understand the data. They might not really know how to do a roadmap, but they understand the value and the outcome. So it, it became more about how do you empower them to become product managers, right? So giving them sort of the principles, et cetera. The other model is hiring data product managers. I prefer to lean on domain experts. Skilling someone up on product management is a lot easier than skilling someone up on the domain language, right? Or the domain understanding. And I think that's very powerful. So if you want to build that clinical data repository or the research data repository, which will, uh, research is actually 
quite interesting because there's so much unstructured lack of definition. You want to hire a data product manager who understands that space. And you also want to partner them up with those domain SMEs who are invested in building it, right? So again, executive sponsorship is key. The people aspect of building the data products, which I think is essential because now when you're building out your data product canvas, you have a legitimate why you're building it, why it needs to be fair. So biotech, I think fair came in 2016, even before Jamak's article, they've been trying to get their entire landscape to be fair, which is findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable if the audience isn't aware. Uh, and so from the technology standpoint, I think it's your platform, the self-serve platform just in, empowers the team. That's the least cost is where I've seen it because the most of the time we'll take is on standardization of the data, uh, the understanding of the data, modeling the data, and then using it. I think it's very important. Your data product is not successful until you've identified a successful use case, right? Uh, using it for either a business uh, decision-making insight or a data science or machine learning use case and so on. So those principles within the engineering team and the product management and them being in a cross-functional team really unlocks that value rapidly. And then your platform just comes in to make it happen, right? And they get into this rhythm of business because now they establish a prioritization framework. So one thing I've seen, again, pharma, I, I really like how pharma has well-defined domains. So in research, you can have uh, the antibodies team, the chemistry team, et cetera, right? And you will find a data champion. I like to call them as the domain leaders who are managing, self-managing their data, but also making sure it, it interoperates with another team. And they establish this beautiful framework of prioritizing and getting things quickly out the door. And then they're working towards those insights. That's ah. sort of the success story. And they're documenting things along the way, right? One of the, I think, anti-patterns and uh, or not anti-pattern, it's just the inevitable nature. If you're in a startup, you're not documenting your data, no. not from day <laughs> one. But these folks, they didn't also document their data, but now that they're on their journey, they are documenting their data, right? Um, from day one, because that's, you cannot go to production until you've published your metadata and understanding of it, for example. Ah, uh, that's... <sighs> I really sense you have a, a fantastic and rich experience in this field and very few people uh, have. Uh, I mean, I have heard a lot of confusion and a lot of failures. Uh, so it's quite wonderful to hear that there are companies and people out there capable of performing this new architecture. I, I believe very much in, in data mesh. There are various patterns of it. I mean, there are various uh, observations into how should you actually build a data mesh Personally, I, I think that there is not one uniform data mesh. I, I believe very much in these uh, different interpretations and, and, and their right to be there. Just to say, uh, as, as, as a last topic that we have time to discuss, can you, can you share some thoughts on where you think this field is going? 
do you th do you see data mesh becoming a globally applied pattern that would be a standard pattern for most companies, or would it still be sort of a high end uh, aficionado uh, approach to data management? Yeah, I've been reflecting on that. I my last thought or last uh, version of that thought was that only if you have complexity like pharma, like healthcare, um, it makes sense to have data mesh uh, style implementation or adopting the principles of data mesh. If you are, you know, your domain is complex, uh, not so complex, you just run a B2B financial payment system. Hmm. Maybe you don't need it because your data is already very well structured and you don't have data silos, right? So it really depends on where you are. But when I look at the global landscape, things like federated machine learning is emerging in healthcare, which uh, calls for each of the local authorities or the healthcare spaces who want to participate in whatever use case they're trying to realize to standardize on even how they run the machine learning training and then share the results with privacy in mind, right? So with healthcare data, you have to really account for that. And I see them taking a data mesh approach because it's a localized data product and then everything is being aggregated at that central server to deliver whatever insights they want to. So for I, I think it's going to continue to be industry specific. I haven't ventured into anything outside of the healthcare and pharma space. But if you are a large company with many, many products, like I, I would say Amazon might benefit from data mesh. They're probably already organically doing it because they're all product driven concepts that they roll out on their platform, right? Or products that they release for customers to use. So sometimes you don't even realize you're on a data mesh journey because you've mm. already been doing it from day one with all those ingredients that make data mesh realize that value for your teams and for your company. Yeah. And as you said in the beginning, maybe that is just completely okay. Yeah. Maybe C-levels shouldn't care about fancy data terminology. I mean, in their perception, because in, in my perception, it's, it's something deep and true and, and real that we should study. I think of data mesh as a potential uh, enabler of data democracies, I have to say, especially also in large companies, right? You have this distinction between small companies not necessarily being uh, uh, reliant on, on a, on a yep. data mesh uh, architecture, whereas large enterprises, they simply need to, to look at data mesh to, to, to be able to scale and function uh, correctly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You have quite a unique and interesting experience, uh, Samia. It was a pleasure having you on and stay yep. in touch. Yeah, it was. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. And it was uh, fun talking to you and reflecting back on Data Mesh. I love seeing my own thoughts evolve and uh, folks like yours uh, thoughts as they're developing. Mm -hmm.
Okay, so these are my takeaways from my conversation with Samia, a conversation that I really enjoyed. It was very surprising to hear just how good Samia is at performing data mesh in organizations. It's a real pleasure. Uh, the data leader takeaways. First, don't explain data mesh to executive management. They don't understand it anymore. So just explain the return of investment that you can propose by building a, a new data architecture and working with data in a new way. We should remember it's a social technical approach. And then secondly, perhaps you can explain to executive management as a data leader, you can explain to executive management that the current setup is not very effective, but that you know how to make it effective using a data mesh approach. And then finally, when, when executive management asks you, okay, how is this, what is this architecture about? What is this approach about? Keep using their metaphors, keep using their language. Don't go into details. Don't get into the technical stuff. Keep the conversation at a level where their metaphors and, and their understanding is at the center. That will make you, uh, as a data leader, more capable of, uh, of, of obtaining your goals. Then my data democracy takeaways. First of all, stable, clearly defined domains can help you establish data democracy because they will allow you to have a centralized map of all the data in your company. Well, the second, the second takeaway uh, for the data democracy is that it is not a data democracy that everyone can access absolutely everything. That is not a data democracy, but you should have a just and fair explanation of why you can't be allowed to access some of the data that you are, that you want to access. That is the democratic um, approach that you should uh, enforce. And then finally, the third and final takeaway for data democracy, document your data. It is so easy not to document your data, but it is the very foundation of a data democracy in a company. And if you don't do it, you will never obtain a data democracy. And down the line, that will lead to your company not being capable of innovating in the field where every single company needs to be these years and these decades, and that is data.